Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. Welcome to The Firsty Show, a podcast where we focus on faith, family, and everything firsty. I told Dwight that there is honor in losing, which as we all know is completely ridiculous, but there is, however, honor in making a loser feel better, which is what I just did for Dwight. This is your place to get real insight on what it's like to be a student athlete in business, get to know people who influence our world, and get a glimpse of what's to come before anyone else. Would I rather be feared or loved? Um, easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. Now here are your hosts, Firsty co-founders Haley Cox and her dad, Tim. Hey, welcome to the Firsty Show, where we talk a little bit about sports, and we talk a little bit about just about everything, I guess. We love to focus on people in sports who are making a difference, breaking down barriers, uh, who are ultimately impacting uh, players and people around the world and so we are this is episode number two of the firsty show and we are super excited uh, to have the one and the only Shay Knighton with us and I'm just gonna read a couple of her long list this is the few of her, her uh, we willed it down of her accolades so he had 2016 big 12 freshman of the year 2016 uh, Women's College World Series All-Tournament Team, 2017 NFCA Second Team All-American, 2017 Big 12 Player of the Year, 2017 Women's College World Series All-Tournament Team, two-time, two-time World Series Champion, pro fast-pitch player with USSA Pride, and all-around amazing person. Shay, it is really, really great to have you on the first show. Thank you for having me, and thanks for being so dramatic on my list of accolades. <laughs> That's what we do. We're, we're all about the dramatic. So. Sure. Go ahead, Haley. Okay. So, it was first of all, it was super awesome to get to watch you guys play when we were down in Florida. Um, you guys played awesome. I almost felt, I felt bad because, like, the other team, like, they were college. So, it's really – they did fight back, though. Good job. Uh, um, you so you played amazing, but I guess everybody like the question when you see someone play at that level, it's it's always how did you start? Um, well, it started for me when I was like four. I started playing softball when I was four. Um, I never knew that I really wanted to play professionally. Um, Honestly, until I got into college, I didn't really know about the professional league um, before that. Um, but I've always been one for like those pressure moments, I guess you could say. I love those moments um, where I feel the most free and the most comfortable in those moments. So I think I enjoy um, just being the one to try to help my team win a ball game. Um, and then being in the professional league, I think that's, I feel like that all the time. It's just always freeing, just so fun um, to play. And I just think that um, the professional league is a place where you get to really live out your childhood dreams. Um, I lived out my dreams at the Women's College World Series, but I didn't realize that I also had another dream of playing professionally. Um, and so the past two years of playing with the Pride has been the best two years of my life, along with the four years of college. So, um, yeah, I really just started from four years old, just enjoying softball, um, being able to play with my friends all the time. And then just now that I'm older and just really taking in the moments, it's really cool. When, when did you realize, so this is a question that I always like that I'm always curious of when it comes to pro athletes is when did you realize that you were better than most people around you? You're gonna trap me. In a question. Well, he, what he means is, when did the ego start to? Yeah, that's what I was like. That's what I he's just, trying to get uh, at. What I say, like, I know. So even though, I mean, I am a middle-aged, very much not in premium shape individual, and we play pickup basketball, like we'll play in men's league. There, there are times like, well, you know, like, okay, well, I am, I am above this team's level of play, or. 
I am below <laughs> this this player's <laughs> level of play. When you're playing softball, I mean, is it age 10? Is it age 12? Is it 14? Like where you look around and you're like, you know what? I'm, I think that I'm playing at, a, I, I understand this game better than the average person my age, or I'm faster, or I'm, I have better hand-to-eye coordination. Like, I guess I'm just curious, you know, that is, I'm not saying that you think that you're better than everybody. I'm just curious. When did you realize that you, you're playing at, a, at an elite level? Um, I think like when I started getting offers to go to college is when I kind of realized I was like, okay, I'm actually, I must be pretty good at this if I'm getting offers to play in college. Um, but I think it was always just like my parents raised us, just put your head down and work. Um, and don't worry about the people to your right or your left about how good they are, how not good they are, whatever the case is, it's just put your head down and work, do your job. Um, and let the chips fall where they may. So I think that's what carried me a long way. Um, but when I started getting offers, that's when I realized I was like, okay, I'm actually pretty good at this. And, um, not to say that I didn't take it seriously before that. Um, but when I started getting my offers, that's when I was like, okay, it's really time to buckle down um, and really go after what you want. And that's when I decided, what do I want out of my college career and out of the choices that I have in front of me which school will provide me the best opportunity to succeed on the field and off the field. Um, but I think, I, I don't really ever think that I'm, that I was uh, ever in a headspace of like, Oh, I'm really, really good at this. It was always like, I can always prove. Um, and there's always room to get better and ask questions and work harder. Um, and I still think that today as a professional, like you, you never stop learning in this game, um, especially with it being a game of failure. So I think now I just, I think it's just still going back to my roots of just put your head down and work and do your craft, do your job and get better at what you can. Um, and then look to your right and left for help. It's not that you're any better than anyone or they're any better than you. Um, we're all, we're all equals at some point. Um, so just put your head down and grind. Yeah. Well, that's a super solid answer. And I'm sure that like that, this is a, that's a portion that will, will pull out because I know that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of high school coaches out there who I'm sure would stand behind that approach. You know, you can only control what you can control. And, and I think that maybe that's the hardest thing for a lot of athletes to understand. So when I was playing basketball in high school, I was a really, really good basketball for in New York. It goes by class. Like I was a class C, which is a smaller school. I was really, really good for class C. Uh, but I also recognized that being really good in class C was not being really good in class A. And so all you can do is you, you know, you, I, I was slow. I was not a fast person. So like you, you can take, this is what I was gifted with, make the most of what it is, go as far as you can go with it. And then there's just some things you just don't have control over. So, um, <clears throat> so do I have this time rhyme? Correct. So you freshman in 2016, you guys won the championship, correct? Yes, correct. Then 2017, you won again. Yes. So did that did that spoil you? Uh, like did that become <laughs> like did that become like that's just like what what it's supposed to be? Like wow, this is this is not that hard. <laughs> this is not that hard. I mean, like that's that to me is just amazing. I was looking, I was reading through like wow. So you just and then in 2018. Was it 2018 or 19 where um, you guys lost to you? You lost in the World Series to U Triple S or um, UCLA, correct? That was this past season in 2019. Okay, okay, gotcha. So, what was what was how was that like for you winning two, like winning two? I guess like the first two. How did what what was your thoughts on that? I mean, how did that affect your mental psyche? I guess as far as did you think it was going to happen like that? Did that change your approach going into like your, your, your sophomore or your, your junior year? I mean, what's it like winning two in a row like that? Um, I think going, coming in as a freshman, um, I think you, I think, well, regardless of whatever class you're in, you always want to win a championship. Um, but coming in my freshman year, that was just like a dream of mine. Like, any of my four years, I wanted to win a championship, whether it was one, two, all four, three, whatever the case was, I just wanted to win at least one. Um, and so freshman year, our team was super young. We had a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, 
Um, we made up majority of the lineup anyway. And so I think we were just like, go out here and have fun. Like we have nothing to lose. We have everything to gain. Um, and so when we won the first one in 2016, we were like, what did we just do? Like we had, we weren't sure. We're like, how did we even do that? Like we weren't trying to do anything. Like we were just playing softball. And so in 2017, I think we kind of kept, we put unnecessary pressure on ourselves um, early in the season uh, to try to defend our title um, and get back to the World Series and try to win it again. But that did not work for us. Um, and so once we got a slap in the face early in the season in 2017, we were like, you're right. Like, why don't we just go back to how we were in 2016, um, even though it's a slightly different team, to just playing free, having fun, just enjoying the moments. Um, and I think that's what ultimately allowed us to win again in 2017. Uh, and going back to back was not easy. Of course, we played Florida. And um, that those two games were tough. They were very, very tough. But I think having the experience that we did um, in 2016 allowed us to bring just a lot more maturity and understanding of the situation in 2017 and know exactly what it takes and how it would look um, for us to win again. And so I think it was just – it's a really cool experience. Like, I, it's crazy that I, like, I can say I'm a two-time national champion um, because for a lot of people, they can't even say they have won. So it's just being very thankful um, for our for what we have and what we were able to receive. Um, but I think just those two years um, kind of propelled me personally in a mental aspect of how I need to play my game every single day, whether it's at practice or an actual game. Um, just the mentality of going hard, giving everything you have, and just leaving it all on the field and letting the chips fall where they may, whether we win or lose, tie, whatever the case is. Um, just give it everything you have and just play with no regrets. Um, just go out there, have fun with your teammates, with your sisters, um, and play for something bigger than yourself. And I think that's what carried our team and especially me a long way. Um, and it stands true to this day now as a professional. I feel like some of these answers, coaches, coaches need to save these as like a preseason. Like this is what we're going for right here. <laughs> pay attention. Um, that's something my coach would definitely do. Um, so like I said, like we got to watch you guys play down at U-Trip. And so we're in the stands. And this is the first. So we get to see some of the, the you guys using the Align 8. And you get up to bat. And we filmed all of your at-bats and all of your swings up to one. And then you hit it out. <laughs> and we were like, are you serious? <laughs> and Dad, the first thing, we were like, wait, can we get But we knew you trip filmed this, so we, so we did get the video, and it's awesome. Um, when you hit that home run, did it ever cross your mind, like, the impact that it would have, like, for us? Or, like, did you say you were in, like, some sort of slump before that game, right? So were you just excited about getting that hit? Yeah, I – I didn't know exactly how I would impact like you guys and your brand, um, but it felt good for me. And then I got to say that I was using your stuff and I was like, okay, well that's like a two for one. Um, but yeah, I kind of wasn't doing so hot um, before that. Um, but I think it was just, I was just like free that about, I was like, you know what? This is your last of that of the season. Go out and have fun. Who cares? Just do what you got to do. Um, but like thinking back in hindsight, I think it's pretty cool that I was able to use your product and like really put it to the test. Um, and I think like it just, now that I look back at it and like, I'm trying to like remember how I felt, I just felt very like relaxed and comfortable. Um, and normally when like the first thing that gets tension on my body is my hands. But I like realized like I was very loose and relaxed in my hands. And I really think it was because of the grip. Like I wasn't choking the bat like I normally do when I get like tensed up. Um, because I was able to have my hands and my fingers in a, in a space where they were relaxed the entire time. There was no way for me to try to grip around it. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. And then the, and the impact that I've had on you guys and that you guys have had on me and just just working with you guys lately, it's been really cool. It was, you, you didn't see this, but so Shelby 
she she knew that you were playing with the Illini eight that game, and as soon as you hit it out, like I turn I turned it out of the corner of my eye, like Shelby was was freaking out in the dugout, like she was freaking she was freaking out. She was like, I mean, she was she was like. She was she was so she was so excited, which I mean, I, which I thought was great. I mean, because we're very much realists. Like we, I mean, obviously Haley going into her junior year of softball, playing out in Johnson County, Eastern Tennessee. I mean, we're very very real in that. What we've had the opportunity to do already, you know, at just as a company has been really incredible, and so. I guess just to be able to have like the the pride family in that moment celebrate along with with us was was just such a I don't know, it was just it was very humbling and extremely exciting at the same time. So yeah, so you, you kinda of missed that part because you were triumphantly <laughs> rounding the bases. Uh but um that's what was going on behind the scenes. So it was it was a it was a really, really cool moment. Certainly a moment that I'll like that I'll, that I'll never forget. It was it was like a, a perfect a perfect ending to a, a very long like couple four weeks of us really grinding it out in the in, you know in the pop up shop and you know that comes with all kinds of ebbs and flows and up and ups and downs and that was the first time that we had really shown um, the hyper grip and the align eight to a mass amount of players so you know with that there's always all different types of feedback and it was crazy hot for like three straight weeks and. Yeah. Uh, so, but it was, uh, but that was really, really, that was really awesome. That was great. Um, so where are you, where are you at now? I mean, I know that, so what's going on in, in your life right now? Well, I'm back in Norman. Um, I start my grad school master's program on Monday, um, on the 24th. So I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm just working with OU softball. I'm a graduate assistant manager, whatever it's called, um, with the softball team now. So I get to stay with them um, and work with this new team and just try to give them as much knowledge and as much like real emotion and uh, insight as to what it's like being on the Oklahoma softball team and just um, what we stand for um, and what we take pride in as the OU softball team. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much my life right now. <laughs> so what's your focus of study for your master's? Um, well, the huge umbrella is human relations, but my classes are really tailored towards um, like sports psychology and like counseling and stuff like that. Um, I just love to pick the brain of athletes um, and coaches and just try to understand why they do what they do in crunch time and game time. Um, and just try to get them to understand their own thoughts because I know that's helped me a lot with my career. Um, so I think for me, it was just trying to have the opportunity to help others in that same way that I was helped. Um, so that's what I'm focusing on. So what is, so with that master's, what is the goal like career wise with that? Well, I want to coach. Um, that's really what I want to do, but as a backup plan with this degree, um, I can become a counselor for like high school or middle school, whatever, um, like a family counselor, whatever kind of counselor I really want to be. Um, but with sports psychology, it's more being an actual sports psychologist in college or professional or wherever that allows me to land. Um, that's just like a backup plan to me wanting to be a coach. Gotcha. That's pretty awesome. There's a, there's an, at least how many is it? Three or four different, um, girls on the pride right now that are all like going into their master's program. I think there's a, there's, there's a, there's a number. There's at least three, I think. I know uh, Sid and I for sure. Um, but okay. I, I know Shelby is taking courses, but I'm not sure how she's going about that. Right. Well, that's all exciting. I mean, it's just really, really great to see. I, I think that the more that you get to know, um, the more that you get to know, like the fast pitch pro family. Um, and the more that you kind of hear everybody's stories, I think the thing that's impressed me the most is how much respect there is amongst the majority of, I mean, obviously I can't speak for everybody, but it seems like the, the majority of the pro players in the, in 
in fast pitch as a whole, there seems to be a really, really great level of respect for among the players, um, for, for what you guys are accomplishing. Um, this, it almost, uh, to be honest with you. So like I'm a nineties, I'm a nineties kid. And like when the WNBA first came out, um, and like it started at its grassroots level, it was extremely raw. And there was a lot of people who said that it would never work. Um, and obviously there was all kinds of like just naysayers. Um, and to see how like the WNBA has grown, um, and then to see how it's impacted, um, I guess just like women's basketball, even at a young age and to kind of see how now all of a sudden girls who are young are seeing like, well, wow, there's, there's like, there's a potential to go to school. Um, like I, th- I think of like a Stewie, like she's killing it out there. Um, you know, like Brandon Stewart is killing it. And I don't, that's possible if like, like Lisa Leslie doesn't go and do what she does back in like in the nineties, you know? So I think it's just, it's amazing. That's almost like what, like this, like what it feels like the temperature of fast pitch, like right now that there's a group of amazing, like pro athletes that are trying to figure out what a pro league would look like or in trying to figure out. And I know there's all kinds of craziness, like in as far as all of that goes, but eventually it's going to work itself out. Like I really believe that. And I think that when it happens uh, for me personally, and this is just me, like I, I, I enjoy watching pro fast pitch more than I enjoy watching MLB. Um, that's just be, I, it's just more bang, bang. Um, I like the culture more, I think of fast pitch. Um, but that's, you know, and I think to each his own, but, um, you know, hopefully down the line, and this is, again, this is no knock on any organization or anything, but hopefully down the line, um, that happens, uh, because yeah. I think that fast pitch is one of the, one of, if not the fastest growing sports amongst like teenagers. Um, and so it needs to happen. So if there's a billionaire out there, that's got tons of money, Mark Cuban, if you happen to, if you're listening, <laughs> We, we need you. We need you. Uh, but I mean, that'd be, yeah. <laughs> and so, but yeah. And so it's, it's just, I don't know. I just feel, I never would have guessed even five, you know, three years ago that we would be in this spot. And obviously we're, we are a very small fish in a big pond, but even to have the opportunity to be able to, to see it happening is really, really great. Yeah, uh, so, so one thing that I love, uh, and we kind of talked about this previously that this would that we would talk about this for a little bit. And one thing I love about you is that um, you're just very, very, you're very, very raw um, and very real. And and I really, really love that about you. And for whatever reason, like we both agree that you're such a, a great brand ambassador for us because it really like you're someone that we feel like we can just have very, very real conversations with you and not have to worry about. I don't know a bunch of stuff that can be conjured up in the brain that we should be worried about, which could separate us from just having like real, real conversations. So, um, and I also, you know, I, I know that you are, are driven by, by faith and many things that you do. We're a faith-based company, which I think is cool because we can have a conversation about social issues and do something that's rarely done and kind of run it through the faith filter, which I, I think is really, really critically important. Um, at the end of the day, we're never going to have a perfect world because, because, like, because sin exists, uh, because we're imperfect people. And so no matter what the color is, no matter where, you know, what the racial background is, like we're, we're always going to be dealing with evil. Um, and so I think it's important to run things through that filter. Um, so that way, like our, our expectations aren't like skewed, um, because it's just unfortunate. It's the world that we live in. But so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, as I share with you before, like we're, we're from Eastern Tennessee. We like, it's just, it is what it is. Um, like it's a primarily a white community. Um, and so we don't get it. I don't get an opportunity very often to have real conversations about what's going on in the world today especially with someone that's kind of has like their guard down and is willing to be vulnerable and talk about it. So I was just, I'm not sure even how to start this conversation, but I, I guess I'm just, where is your heart in our world today? You know, right now, like with, with obviously with when it comes to racial issues, um, when it comes to social issues, I mean, what does your heart beat for? 
Um, well, with everything that's been going on for a while now, um, my heart just, it hurts um, because I think that this world should be so far past what we're going through right now and just loving on one another and seeing each other for who we really are, color and all, um, and just being a good person. And I, and the fact that right now that is so far gone out the window, um, it's now of how do we reel everybody back in um, and get everyone to um, just love on one another, um, be kind, like just be a kind human being. Um, and just do things that you would want others to do for you, for you if you were in a tough situation and you really needed someone's help. Um, I, I go back and forth, like it's a tug of war of how do I want my voice to be heard and like, what do I want to say? But at the same time, I just need to be real and honest and just say what I need to say and say what I mean. Um, and so like, for me, I internalize a lot before I say things. Um, so I said my piece um, on social media and to others that I've talked to um, uh, just about my feelings, about BLM, about just all the issues that are going on right now. And um, I'm still learning myself, honestly, um, and I'm still teaching others from my own personal experiences and what I already know. Um, so it's just, it's tough. It's tiresome. Um, but I think right now is the fight that I need to be fighting and that I will continue to fight until there's change. Um, but as a Christ follower and a believer, it's, I just want to love and I want others to feel loved. Um, and just know that, our light can outshine any of this darkness if we just allow it to. But so many people are so focused on the dark right now hmm. that they're not letting any kind of light in. And to me, I'm like, I can't do that. If I have so much darkness around me, I start to be a dark person towards others. Um, but to me right now, my position is to shine light for others, be a positive light for others. Um, be someone that people can come to, to ask questions, to get knowledge, um, and to just honestly just talk to um, about whatever it is they need to talk to me about. Um, so I think right now it's just me learning my role and understanding my role um, before I can really help others. Um, but I just, my thing is just, I just need to continue to help and uh, teach and allow people to have um, knowledgeable conversations right now. Right. Yeah. So we, we have these conversations all the time. Um, I pastor a church. I, this is a brutal time to be a pastor. Uh, I, I like my heart goes out to any, anyone who's out there who passionately loves people and is trying to, to get up every, every Sunday and, and preach from a heart of love. Um, it's, it's a brutal time because, um, between, like the the pandemic um no matter what your views are on the pandemic um and then along with obviously everything else that's going on in our country with just such unrest it's just it's a very very delicate you know but i think that more people need to sit down and just have real like real conversations and and i think that no matter and i don't and i'll be honest with you so this is coming from a 39 year old white guy I don't think that there is nearly as much, I don't think that there's nearly as much um, division as what, as what some would want us to think that there is. Um, I think that at the core of, of who the 99% of the people are out there, I think that there is a lot of good. Um, with that said, it is unfortunate that we live in a day and age where money and power um, treats normal people like you and I, like puppets on a string and palm and, and pawns, to to create, um, I you know, to create even division among people that I, I don't even know that if you really were to take those two people to put together, 
you'd find out that there really wasn't any division there. And so I will tell you, this is what's interesting about this whole situation. As someone, like for me, and I don't, I don't even know if this comes out right, but I just, I don't know how else to say this. So I grew up in, in a lot of like, all, a lot of all white communities where there might've been like one or two black people. Like I grew up in love with black people, like wanting to be friends with black people, like wanting to have black friends, didn't have any black friends because I lived in an all white community. And so, so like I wanted to have black friends so bad that when I would be around black people, I would feel funny <laughs> because I didn't know how, like, I don't know. I just, it's just, and I, and I know that it shouldn't be that way, but the reality is like, I, like I didn't, there, I wasn't, I would just was in a white community. So this is what's bad about this situation now. And I've had conversations with other white people about this is that most black or most white people want to have like amazing relationships like with the black community. But now it's really, really super awkward because like when I go to have a conversation with even with with even with uh, a person of color from like that maybe like in a store, in my mind, I get super paranoid now because I think that they think that I'm racist, but I'm far from racist. I actually really, really want to like, I don't want you to feel that way. It turns into a true emotional, like a lot of emotional baggage and warfare in the mind. And then I take a deep breath and I'm like, why have we gotten to this place where, and this is what I guess you love psychology, so this is the question I guess. I'm like, Truthfully and honestly, how much of the weirdness and awkwardness and like the social unrest do you feel like has really, is like is inside of what I guess has been allowed to, to be curated inside of our minds as far as just misunderstanding and false perceptions about the situation. I guess so that's, that's probably a great way to put it. Do you think that false perception is, is a contributor, a major contributor to why more conversations aren't just happening? Yeah, I think that's probably like the biggest part of all of this um, because it's one of those things of where we you judge a book by its cover when you shouldn't. Um, and it's just that idea of, okay, this person looks this way or they are from this certain part of town or they wear these certain kinds of clothes. So they must fit into this category. Um, when in reality, just because of where I come from, how much money I do or don't have, what I wear, what I don't wear, just all those things like that has nothing really to do with who I am on the inside. That's just what makes me feel comfortable on the outside. Um, so I think it's, it's the, it's the idea of willingly wanting to have those uncomfortable conversations um, while being very true and authentic and real um, and not trying to sugarcoat anything. Um, because when we try to sugarcoat things or make it seem like we're one way um, and we're not the other, um, there's always a time where your true colors show. And I think that's where that idea of like the false misconception of things like comes into play because I can be like, okay, well, like you seem cool, but then crap hit the fan and you're nothing like you were before. So then I start acting differently. And, I, and then that's where the miscommunication comes in um, because I'm like, well, are those your true colors? And then you look at me like, well, are those your true colors? Because you're mad at me for this, this, and this. Um, so it's like a two-way street of just trying to be as honest and real. Um, and I think when you do have those uncomfortable conversations, um, it's important to give scenarios in which you can express to them, if this happened, if X, Y, and Z happened, here's X, Y, and Z of why I would be upset at if you reacted this way, if you reacted that way, um, and just giving reasons and actual insight and example um, to reactions that could possibly arise will probably help diminish that false conception of somebody else. Just in the span of if something does happen, I know who you really are and I know exactly how you will react. So now you know how I will react um, in a time of crisis or in a time of need. Um, so I think it just, like I said, just being real and honest up front um, 
and just letting people know, like, this is how I am. This is who I am. And I'm not going to apologize for it. So if you don't like that, then honestly, keep it pushing. Um, but if you want to learn more and if you really want to engage and be someone that I can have conversation with and have a true friendship with, then yes, like I will gladly, well, coming from my end, I will gladly sit down and talk to you and have real honest conversations because that's what I want on the back end. So let me, uh, let me just ask a real, just a real simple question. If let's say 99% of people in, in America that like just white Americans, if they don't, if they don't have, um, let's say, let's just, we're just going to paint it. And I'm not saying this is the case, but let's say 99% of white, white Americans don't have like a racial, a racial bend in their head. Um, and that's, this is and this picture that's being painted maybe is, is not accurate. So uh, here's my, I guess here's my question is how, how do we bridge the gap to where, especially this is where my heart aches for the, the young black youth today, because I feel like there is, because I feel like they are up against something that's a virtue, like it's going to be really difficult to overcome. Um, they're being raised in a culture where they, I, I believe that a lot of them are being taught that like that because they're black, they're at a disadvantage or, or because they're, they're black, like white, like maybe people who are white look at them differently or they can't be themselves around people who are white because they won't be embraced or accepted. Um, but then, and, and I know that like, and we do see this, but then if you take, if you take, um, someone who has become successful, like um, that they could almost like that can almost be held against them um, if if they I mean, I've, I've I'm not going to mention any 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 names, but it's been like in the news where there has been testimonies of, of people who because they've been because they're black and they become successful that like the black community has turned on them because they've basically they're trying to be like too too white. I guess because they moved out of the out of the city and into a, a rural community or whatever the case may be. So, if you're a young black person, I'm not sure. Like, if you're a young teenager, I, I'm not sure which way you turn in this in this climate and how you make sense of all this stuff. And so, I guess my question is: is how do we as a as a as humanity? How do we as Americans in a country that at its core I believe that we all do love? How do we get past these perceptions where? Like where there are a younger generation in the black community that that are have a mindset that that white people look at them different, or when if in fact let's say that that's not the case, how do, like how do we bridge that gap? Because I'm a realist person, I want to make sure that we we deal with the root issues, and even at first as a company, like what we're trying to do is impact student athletes at the core, help them where they're at, help build out programs. So I I. To me, social awareness doesn't necessarily mean social change. Like everybody's socially aware that eating McDonald's is going to make you overweight and is going to kill you. It's still the number one selling restaurant in America. So to me, like we can all be socially aware, but that doesn't mean that we're ever going to experience change. So in your opinion, what are things that we can do that can truly help bring forth the right amount, the right kind of understanding, um, and I know there's always improvements that we can do, like, you know, in our city structuring, financially, um, education on the like the importance of the home. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that we can do better as people. Like you said, being a better light, believer stepping up and truly loving the way that Jesus would have loved and not sitting back and watch the world burn. Like there's, there's a lot of things that I know that we can do better. Um, but perception wise, what are some things that we can do practically that you feel like I can... I think that would make a difference. Um, I think honestly, like first and foremost, it starts like for, like for yourself, like inside, like you looking internally and understanding one, who you are, regardless of your skin color. Um, and then turning what you know from yourself outward to others and having those conversations of, okay, I'm a young teenage black kid 
Um, I, my parents um, are well off. I go, I'm in a good school district. I have X, Y, and Z. How can I make my life um, compatible or um, as transparent as I can to someone who is an, also a young black teenager who, whose parents don't have as much money as mine, who don't go to the best schools and don't have X, Y, and Z? How can I make them understand that their future can be the same as mine, if not better? And then on the back end, how can I make my life as transparent as I can um, to allow others of other races, not just whites, just everybody else in general, um, see that just because I'm a black person does not mean that I am not capable of being the CEO of my own company mm -hmm. or being a professional athlete or whatever the case is. Um, it's, it's really just understanding the fact of the only thing that makes us different um, from one another is yes, our skin tone, but our gender, like we are all the same inside. Like you can open me up, you can open you guys up. We all have the same organs, hmm. everything. So I, so to me, it's just what makes us, what makes skin color so much of a barrier that we think that someone is less than. Um, and I think that just, it started a long time ago, so I don't really know how to halt those 400 plus years of just ignorance, I'd say, um, mm -hmm. to a point of where now it's, our skin color doesn't really matter. We all are capable of doing the same thing if we put our mind to it. So now it's up to us to put our mind to um, stop racism, just stop um, making people feel less than because of where they come from, what they look like, what they do or don't have. Um, that, but that all just starts inward. That's all internal, starting with yourself first. Um, but then, like I said, having those conversations of when you see someone or you hear someone saying or doing something wrong um, in the grand scheme of things, say something. Don't just let it slide. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the issues lie. They allow their families or their friends to just keep talking and saying the wrong things, being rude, being racist, whatever the case is. And morally and internally, they're like, that's wrong, but they don't say anything. So I think that's where things escalate. Um, and especially when you're in a situation of wanting to fit in and wanting to be the cool kid, right now is not the time to be the cool kid. And if you are going to be the cool kid, it's in the idea of you're stopping wrong behavior. You are making the best decision for yourself and for the safety of somebody else. Um, I, I think it's just, we just all need to look internally first before we can fix everything externally, if that makes sense. Yeah. So last, last question you had mentioned about how, you know, in, in 2020, that should be, it should be, the goal is, is to get to the place where there's a, a weather. So if you're, if you're 12 years old, it doesn't matter whether you're like, doesn't matter whether you're, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're Asian, whether you're, I'm, I like, I'm so paranoid of saying something that's like not politically correct. I don't even know what words are even proper anymore. doesn't matter what your skin color is or what your nationality is. Like I'm like so on edge, like it's terrible that it's, it's that way. So it doesn't matter like what your, what, what background you're coming from at 12 years old. If the goal is, is that we recognize that there obviously there are some kids are going to be born. And I think this, this is, this is, black, white, doesn't matter. Some kids, like you already used the illustration, are born into better situations. Um, like we recognize that. And, and honestly, a lot of that has to do with, you know, just generations of stepping out. Same thing, advice that your parents gave you, keep your head down, plow ahead, work hard, go get yours, you know, that, that mentality. So if the goal is, though, is that we all recognize that in 2020 that you can do that, that, you know, that you can, you there's nothing keeping you from grinding away at the books and getting that academic scholarship or taking advantage of 
athletic, you know, athletic um, blessings that you may have been gifted with from birth and, and working that out and, and grinding out, making the most of it. If that, if that's where we want it, how important do you feel it is like in our world that, that, that be, at what point do we begin to make that the message to our, our young people? Um, and how important do you think that is to building towards unity, I guess, you know, like, cause the message to me, like I'm thinking, and I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that I can relate to this at all, but I'm thinking in my, in myself, like as someone who just sent their, their first, like our firstborn off to college yesterday. Um, and like, w- like when he was born, I was making $225 a week and I got up in the morning, I got up in the middle of the night one day or one night I got up in the middle of the night and, the, and all I had in my cupboard was a box of Ritz crackers and a, and a jug of juice in my fridge. So like that, like that, that, that was, that's a real thing, not a fabricated thing. So, I mean, I know like what it's been to work, to raise him to, to where he can go, go conquer the world. I'm thinking like if, if I'm a black parent, today in 2020 and I've got a, a five-year-old, a six-year-old and I'm ready, like the last thing I want to do is set them up to where in their psyche, they feel like they're at a disadvantage. I'm wanting to, to deliver the message that you're, that you're, that you're talking about, like that your parents did for you where it's like, keep your head down and like, just go get, like, go get it, work hard. Don't worry about the stuff on the left and the right. And just, um, just go, you know, go get yours, you know, go get, like, if you want to be that, like my son, Kobe, like I want to be uh, a creative uh, director for Disney. I'm like, well then go be a creative director for Disney. Like you go get that degree and go work hard to get that. Um, and so I guess I'm just, and that's the last, my last question is to you is how important do you think it is? And at what point in time do, do we collectively, no matter what the color of the skin, like, do we need to get back to where, we are really, really taking ownership in that. And I like, we just live, and this is definitely not a racial thing. This is a generational thing. Like we live in an entitled, like an entitled society. Um, at one point in time, do we have to get, like how important it is do you think that we, that that become the message to, to student athletes or to athletes or to students in general, young people? I think right now, like starting now, like it's in your face. You have every tool possible to to learn and to educate yourself so why not start now we have the internet literally at our fingertips with our phones you're on your phone all day educate yourself on something important and good rather than scrolling through instagram twitter tiktok snapchat whatever else find the things that you can educate yourself on now starting now um and it is okay to change your mind and change your heart now no matter how old you are um it's just realizing when you are wrong and then taking the initiative to change that um goes a long way and sometimes i know a lot of people have been hesitant to ask me questions like regarding blm just regarding my feelings all that um but i think when you decide that it is time to change yourself your your circle your community um it's it needs to start now and there's it's never too early and it's never too late um especially within like the family unit regardless of where you come from or what you do or don't have it is important to understand that we are all people we all need love we all need a friend um regardless of my skin color or regardless of our skin color, we need each other to move on and to make a good life for everyone, not just ourselves. Um, And the more we can change ourselves now, we'll only make the future so much better because then our kids and their kids and whoever else will learn that racism should not be a thing, that it needs to stop and it needs to stop now. And if like I said earlier, it just starts internally and doing it now. And while it's in your face, there's no better time for change than right now. I always say that regardless of what's going on in the world or with me personally, change starts now and it starts from within. Um, and if you want it, like you said, go get it. It's mm. your path. Don't look to your right or your left. Um, and 
for those who are to your right or your left, they don't want to get on board with you and get on the right bandwagon, then that's on them. Like, leave them. And it's, it's okay to lose a friend or two. It's okay to get in an argument and just be like, you know what? This is wrong for my own personal reasons. I believe this is wrong. And I'm just going to step away from the situation mm. and move on to people who want to learn and want to change. Yeah. So. Well, that that's good. That's good advice. I think, you know, you've, you want to surround yourself with people that are going to raise you to a new level, not try to pull you down, you know, and I, and I think that's important. Um, but well, I appreciate you, uh, just your, your transparency, you're willing to dialogue. I mean, it's just really, really encouraging, you know, all the way around. I, I, I pray that, that collectively, you know, as a, as a country and as a people that, that, I don't know. I'm so exhausted with, it's funny that you say, don't look to the left or right. Cause there's like, that's really true uh, in more ways than one. And I think I'm just exhausted with it. I think a lot of people are. Um, I think that we all desire to, uh, to view this world through that faith scope. I pray that that's what happens, you know, where we, we recognize that every, every person out there has got a soul and, um, and we're all lost. Um, in one way, shape, or of another, and hopefully, you know, we see more people turn to uh, turn to Jesus and turn to faith, and 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 I think that that naturally helps us look inwards more. You know, when you realize how far you're how far you're you're gone without without Jesus, then it, it makes you so much more humble when you look at other people and you see where, where they're at. You know, and so I think that's really important. But but thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. And we really appreciate it. It was great. Thank you guys for having me. I enjoyed it.